Welcome everybody, no one likes the tuna podcast, the world's premier dedicated fast and furious podcast. My name is Nick Nocera. And I'm Daryl Wong. Welcome everybody to Cycle 25. Nick. Cycle 25. <laughs> <laughs> We're going full futuristic techno for Cycle mm-hmm. 25. Cycle 25. <laughs> Do you think we're going to make it to um, 100? Phoenix 100 cycles? I was thinking about that today. I was like, that's a quarter hundred. That's a quarter of a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think we've signed on to do this in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. So at some point that will happen. If one of us doesn't get hit by a truck first, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which which does happen. <laughs> sure does. <laughs> you know, everybody, that's kind of like a fucked up thing to say, like, could get hit by a bus tomorrow, you know? It definitely happened. I knew a girl from college who definitely got hit by a bus and died. Whoa. Yeah. I think my sister had a friend who got hit by a bus also, but like the side of a bus, not the front of a bus, mm-hmm. which is much less lethal, but still very painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Person v. Bus. Bus wins. You know, it could come at any time, though. Could be a bus. Could be something else. You just, like, settled into it again right there. You're like, yeah, it could happen tomorrow. (laughs) It's like, I know, but, like, it could. Mm -hmm. That's a fucked up thing to think about. I don't really... I don't like thinking about it. Mm -hmm. I know know we should, like, live, like, there's no tomorrow. You know, mm-hmm. but like, mm. <laughs> I would you know, like there to be a tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what couldn't happen tomorrow? What? You could not win $1.3 billion on the lottery. That's true. Did you buy a, a ticket? <laughs> I bought two of them. All right. Okay. I, I saw it come up and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm having a good week here. All right. <laughs> Didn't happen, huh? Yeah, it's not going to happen. Was it going tonight, or was it? It was last week. It was last was Friday. Last yeah, last yeah. Friday. yeah. Somebody in Tennessee won. I heard it was in Illinois. Could be Illinois, could be Tennessee. We mm-hmm. don't know. We'll never know. Unconfirmable <laughs> fact. <laughs> no one will ever know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, All right. Well, I'm just, like, scared to death, I think. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't want to like live. If there's still no, I'm I'm scared of dying. I don't know that I'm scared that much of the afterlife mm-hmm. and the questions that come along with that discussion. I'm definitely more scared of like doing the actual dying part mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, so. uh, I I can see that, but I'm kind of on the opposite train here. No fear, okay? And I think it's more unnerving to me to think about afterlife than it is. Yeah, I find a lot of comfort in, like, pitch black forever. Like, no consciousness. Pitch black, no existence. Like, you have no knowledge of you, you. You were not in existence before, and you will not be in existence again. Yeah. So I, that's where I find comfort. Just, like, the idea that something happens... After you die, it's just too infinite. 
it's too unexplained and it makes me feel uncomfortable if I think too much about it. So I find personal, like, yeah, I've oriented my sort of existence, my relationship between life and death around totally over. There's definitely guys out there who are like, I know. (laughs) They're (laughs) like, who are like, no, 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 I, they're like, I know it seems unexplained, but I know what happens. (laughs) And I historically have like run away from those people. That's a, I think that's a, I think that's a smart read on the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's good. I think it's okay to have a theory, you know, mm-hmm. or a belief, even a faith in what may happen mm-hmm. after you die. But I think if you approach that question with a level of certainty that stretches beyond faith, Because faith is belief in the absence of certainty, right? Mm-hmm. And if you have a certainty that stretches beyond that in terms of the answer to the question of what happens after we die, I'm going in the opposite direction. Right, right. It's, it shows a clear and present detachment from the real world, I think. Yeah. Or, it's, yeah. It's, or like humili- a detachment from humility in my mm-hmm. mind. I think humility is one of the most underrated qualities a person can possess. And that amount of certainty is something that like no human is can be or whatever. I don't want to get all philosophical, but I guess it's too late. But that's just sort of hu- – to me, it's hubris. It's hubris in the face of your fellow like humans. It's hubris in the face of God. If you believe in God, it's hubris in the face of – Whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm not interested in really in talking to them, <laughs> those people. <laughs> anyway, this is the kind of high quality, um, you know, theoretical, philosophical discussion you you've come to know and expect on No One Likes the Tuna podcast, a very fast and furious centric podcast. <laughs> I think we should change our intro to from the world's premier dedicated Fast and Furious podcast to. You know, a pretty Fast and Furious centric pod. Because mm-hmm. um, I do want to talk a little bit before we get into F9. Okay. We're doing a backwards cycle this cycle for the listeners who didn't know. Uh, I watched that Gray Man movie. Uh, you saw that, right? Yes. Yeah. And um, thought it was, you know, I had a good, like, I had a good time. I had a better time than I expected, but it also was, like, flawed in many ways that I sort of was expecting to see and was disappointed that confirmed my suspicions, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to try to compliment sandwich it. Yeah. You know? That's, like, an age-old <laughs> technique. <laughs> Helps things settle a little bit better than straight into the good stuff. Yeah. Um... It's like, is it a sandwich if you're just eating deli meat by itself? No, you're a savage. Okay, so you gotta you gotta put <laughs> yeah. something around it in order to be uh, socially acceptable. You must put something around <laughs> it to, to be socially acceptable. You can't just sh- shove antipasto in like in your mouth, <laughs> basically. Um. Okay, I thought it was mostly good. I thought the performances were mostly good. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I'd like what everybody's like what everybody's doing, I think. 
so Ryan is sort of bringing this energy. He's sort of blending this energy that he has of like his like stoic psychopath energy, but also his like we- world worn, like kind of um, you know, don't give a shit kind of energy. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see the Good Guys? I think I did. It's pretty. It's pretty good. It's sort of maybe my favorite Shane Black movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Shane Black's not my favorite guy, but. It's him and Russell Crowe as like beaten down private eyes, basically, mm-hmm. and it's pretty good. And he's sort of bringing some of that to this. Um, so I think he's he's good. I think Chris uh, Evans gives the best performance in the film, even though I don't really like the character. Mm-hmm. Right? He's sort of this swaggery. Ivy League piece of shit. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it works super well for the movie. I wish the villain was a little more ice cold. Mm -hmm. But you can clearly see that the movie is asking Chris to do this. And Chris is like, I'm bringing it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, sure. Here's what I'm going to show up with. You know? And so I think Chris Evans is really bringing everything the movie is asking of him. And doing a really good job and is totally physical about it and and it worked like he's working it i don't mm-hmm. know if it totally works for the movie but he's really working it does chris evans have a um a lot of non captain america acting history um yes mm-hmm. surprisingly enough um okay the evans stuff mm-hmm. that i know off the top of my head um, and this may be like interspersed. I think he's really tried to build a career outside of Captain America. I th- Evans, Evans, I think was very resistant to take the Captain America thing because mm-hmm. it's a six picture contract when those things were starting up. And I think in his mind, he was like six pictures is like basically like 10 or 12 years of my life. Right. Like, I'm just going to be that dude. Which he kind of is, so I think, but I think he's tried hard to do other projects. Snowpiercer, mm-hmm. um, a movie that's kind of good. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, it's like a solid action flick. I don't think it's like a world changing, you know, like classist manifesto. That dude's other movie, Parasite, is much more in the like social commentary. Like hits harder in terms of social commentary for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was early on in Not Another Team Movie. Mm-hmm. He was also in those original Fantastic Four movies, the Tim Story ones. Oh. Um, yeah, with Jessica Alba. <laughs> they basically like a uh, crazy costume for <laughs> Jessica Alba. Um, do you he's remember not those the, He's not the stretchy guy. No, he's the fire he's the guy. The fire dude? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Johnny Storm, I think. Mm-hmm. So he's in those um, Snowpiercer, uh, Jacob. It's not Jacob's story. He did an Apple TV show recently, but he's in a movie that I really liked called Gifted, mm-hmm. where he plays the dad of a child who's like very smart, basically. Mm-hmm. It's just like a sweet little half comedy, half family drama thing. Yeah. 
It's um, tough. It's like his look and uh, sort of the size of his movies now. I almost try to like place him. I was like, ooh, was he like a teenage star? Is he like mm-hmm. a Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck? But I can't remember no, ever seeing him. I think him. he's just a guy who's been around since his early 20s. You know, mm-hmm. he's just in sort of been grinding a little bit, but had that like classically handsome Hollywood look. Mm-hmm. So he was in stuff, you yeah. know? I just don't think he like broke through until he got a little bit of gravitas. He needed just a little bit of age on him mm-hmm. to bring that gravitas of like, oh, I've lived through a few things. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand the world in a way I didn't when I was 20. Um, I sort of need think he needs to bring that. And he's a good villain. He was in Knives Out. He was mm-hmm. good in Knives Out. Um, spoilers. He's the villain in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, um, I think he's probably done a better job than most of those guys, well, some of those guys, at building a career outside the Marvel system. hmm Yeah. Okay. So we like Chris Evans. Who we else? like, we like Chris. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. I think his advantage also is that he's short. Is he's he? kind of a short guy. Hmm. He's not mega short. Yeah. But he's shorter than some of those guys. Yeah. Isn't um isn't Ryan Gosling also a shorter dude? He's pretty short, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you've got that going for on for both of them. Mm-hmm. But in the Evans thing, it's like you can do some movie magic to make dudes look tall. Mm-hmm. But when you and the, but then he's got the ability to like not be this like gigantor. He's not to not be Thor basically when he walks on screen in another movie. Hmm. I think that's Hemsworth's problem is that like oh, Hemsworth walks on screen in another movie and you're like, oh, it's fucking fucking Thor walked in the room because he's nine feet taller than yeah. everybody else, right? <laughs> so I think that's a problem for Hemsworth to be perfectly blunt. I think I really do. Uh-huh. I think it's a problem for the dude. Huh. Um, yeah. I never thought about it that way. A little uh, turning of the tables over here in terms of yeah. Yeah. Male, male actor's physique. I Well, I totally, right? I totally. Like, there's lots of short movie stars. Mm-hmm. It's easier. Uh, with, yeah, it seems like it's easier to make a short guy look big in an action yeah. movie than it is to make a big dude look like a normal Look small person, and normal size. Right? Uh, like, yeah. yeah. You look at Batista. Mm-hmm. Batista's a little different because he's also got a little bit of like junk on it on there, mm-hmm. you know. But Batista, it's hard for Batista to walk into another movie and not be Batista. And I, I, I legitimately think Batista is a very good performer. He's a very good actor. I like him a lot. And in mentioning the size, I remember that movie. What's it Hubert or Schubert? Studart. Oh, the Stuber. Stu- Stuber. 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 Yeah. Stuber. Good movie. I loved that movie. I like yeah. Batista. I like shoving him inside of that, like Corolla right. for most of the movie. Yeah. And that was one of those instances where it played up to his. But, right. But Stuber friend. is playing a joke on the size of Batista. Yeah. And Blade Runner 2049 is making um, a comment. With the side, you know, with with how weird and alien looking Batista is Mm -hmm. at times. So, 
I think if you're just like a short guy, you know, it's like it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think Evans is a little bit shorter than those other guys, some of them. So mm-hmm. gets away with it. Um, we should. Oh, the one other thing about the gray man. I didn't talk about any negatives, but there's some negatives. It's like mushy and looks like poop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> looks like poopy CGI poop. When you said expensive, I sort of knew what you meant. I was like expecting it to look like mushy CGI poop, and it does. Uh-huh. All the dust. There's too much CGI dust and like it just looks bad. Yeah. Looks the the hero fight scenes, like the one in the fireworks thing is unwatchable. So okay. is I think maybe the final fight scene. The one in Prague like time? mushing around on that big train or like not a train whatever it is mm-hmm. um it's, t- it's fucking terrible they're yeah. driving all around and that yeah oh it just looks so bad i mean it's fine it's well choreographed it's whatever it's just mm-hmm. and that final scene in the fountain they may have gone to a fountain but they like painted it out all behind them and their heads are all blurry around the edges and it's just like go to a place and fucking film a thing. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't understand. You mm-hmm. have two hundred and fifty million fucking dollars. Just like fly everybody somewhere for a weekend and film a scene. Fuck. Right, right. It should you know? be crisp and dark. It should look like the um. Should, it should look like the Peaky Blinders. Yeah, just like make it look good. Mm-hmm. Whatever, make it look good. Just make it look good. I know it's hard. I'm saying that. Whatever, but like film something on location. Look, look better trust mm-hmm. me um the other the last thing is like our boy Shea Wiggum is in yeah. that movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for a second <laughs> um which leads me very nicely into F9 because Shea Wiggum is in F9 mm-hmm. and really should be in a lot more of it they should use Shea Wiggum as the hard boiled arm of the law mm. Mm-hmm. Not the guy who makes exceptions. Right. By the book. Mm-hmm. And he's always sort of chasing him around. He's on their side. He needs their skills. But he's like panting as he's ch- <laughs> trying to chase them around, getting them to do things a little more by the book. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, yeah. If they give him a little bit more status, he can be the like anti-nobody. Exactly. Exactly, right? Mm-hmm. He could sort of be like nobody but a curmudgeon instead of like a fun <laughs> Russell, you know, like Kurt Russell guy. Mm-hmm. This movies need a curmudgeon. Yeah. <laughs> right? And give him some, you know, give him some weight. Yeah. Give him a position. Give him a desk job with some status, right? <laughs> And Wiggum is one of the best curmudgeons out there, I think, doing the curmudgeon thing these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't, I can't think of a bigger curmudgeon in the game than <laughs> Shane Wiggum. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Anyway, how was your watch through this week? Um, uh, I mean, I powered through it. I broke it up, got through to today, right up until the final hour here. Um, yeah. It was good. I mean... I don't know. What do you think about Jacob giving the crappy keyboard to Cypher? What was that supposed to do? All right. He takes this busted ass keyboard. What is it connected to? 
I think the prop makes no sense whatsoever. No, I agree with you. Yeah. Like, what is it trying to signify? Yeah. Like, what could Cypher possibly do in a couple keystrokes on a non-operational machine here that they couldn't have done in some other, I don't know, dramatic way for the movie? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. There's, if he wants to, like, punish? I mean, if he wants to... Whatever his motives are, I think you can do that in a way that's not stupid. Mm-hmm. That being said, this movie is a little stupid. Right? Mm-hmm. It knows it's a little stupid. I think it threads a very fine line with knowing it's a very it's a little stupid and is having a little fun with the fact that it's a little stupid. Mm-hmm. That's okay. We can roll with that, but be careful. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I mean, Charlize is giving the best performance in the movie by, like, a country mile. She's deadpan serious. And the other person who is deadpan serious, who's maybe really good in this movie? Do you want to take a guess? Hmm. Like, Everybody's kind of in this mode of like meta joking. We're having a good time. We're back with the family. We're hanging out. We're doing this thing. But like maybe the second best performance in the movie. Ramsey. (laughs) Vin Diesel. Yeah. (laughs) I think he's doing a kind of a thing. (laughs) I was like watching it. That was like my big takeaway from this. Yeah. From this watch through, was that Vin's uh, kind of good in this movie. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, he's kind mm-hmm. of fucking doing it, you know? I mean, he's doing it, but really it's young Vin who's doing the heavy lifting. Sure, sure. I'm sort of putting those guys aside. I, <laughs> oh, okay. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I agree. No, I agree. I know. I know I shouldn't, but like, I was like, ah, oh, you know, of, the, <laughs> of our like dudes, of our. Of the yeah. guys we've been with for a while. Because Vin and has given bad performances in mm-hmm. these movies. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, along that same thought path, isn't that the uh, the genius of this movie? Given Vin Diesel's real life limita- acting limitations, using the historical Vin as a, an avenue to enhance his own, enhance the Dominic Toretto without yes. having to do the work yourself. Well... Okay, but, okay, yes. I agree that helps, and it adds Mm -hmm. a layer of complexity to the performance that Vin is giving Mm -hmm. that maybe is or maybe not, like, internalized by Vin on screen. Mm -hmm. I do think he's giving, like, this, like, crazy physical performance, you know? That's, Uh that's, that's... (laughs) <laughs> it's almost motionless it's almost like a statue and all he's doing is sort of like wriggling his face around it's crazy is there a scene in particular that stands out um that really demonstrates Vin's maybe crowning there's a scene and, yeah. where after the like first Ares heist or whatever after the plane crash heist and the jungle cruise or whatever mm-hmm. they do. and they sort of tell the team who Jacob is 
He's good in the scene. I don't, I don't, like, he's good. In, he's good in this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not backing down from my point. <laughs> Vin Diesel is good in this movie. Yeah, yeah. He's giving like a full body performance. He's giving a shit, which others in this movie are not. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. He clearly cares. He clearly is like bringing a physicality to Dom Toretto that he feels he's developed over the years. And, and yeah, he's good. He's, it mm-hmm. works. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I think that one of the lines that I picked up on this movie was from Young Vin um, when he's about to challenge young Jacob to the street race. Yeah. He goes, car don't make the driver. Which is... Uh, it's okay, the- first of all, Extremely good young Vin impression. That was excellent. Thank you. Thank you. But uh Car Don't Make the Driver is nope. um <laughs> yeah, you get lost there. <laughs> I was so much worse. <laughs> is um you know, it's it's the unworkshopped version. Yeah. Of uh what is the what's the what's the the updated version is um you know what they say. <laughs> do we know what they say? What do they say, Daryl? Um, well, all right. It's not. It's not the one. It's not racer. What is it? The racer. The driver. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not the one. It's not the my ride because that's Tokyo Drift. No, I don't know. Why are we losing our mind over this? Cardo, Cardo, make the drive. The drive. <laughs> I don't know. It's not what's under the hood, or so. It's like that, right? Yeah. It's like it's not what's under your hood. It's like who's behind the wheel, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get what you're trying to say. I'll have to fill that in. I didn't make complete notes. I had yeah, you really <laughs> you should leave a big blank space there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what you're saying, but I know what you're saying, kind of. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that early stuff is like riffy off of a lot of you know. It feels very. It feels very much akin with F one. But then it also feels like it very much akin with the what if 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 we had never seen F one, right, and didn't mm-hmm. understand what these people looked like when acted like and who they were when they were younger and what they did with their spare time, the these cutback scenes, these flashbacks would still to me feel like they fit into F nine, right? Mm-hmm. I hope they do more. I hope they get Vinny Bennett back and like do a whole bunch more of that shit. It'd be so good. I don't think they will. All right. But it'd be better if they did. Mm-hmm. I'm I don't have high hopes for F Fast X. FX. <laughs> right? I yeah, we haven't given any we haven't been given any sign so far that the <laughs> final product is gonna be a wowser. Yeah, it's going to be 
I mean, I'd love to be pleasantly surprised, but I will not be. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking up to see if there's any news. Okay, I just saw an article that says Michelle Rodriguez on why Fast X is French Fast Furious. <laughs> we talk a lot on this. <laughs> um, okay, so they're going to make it like a French-ass movie. I'm, okay, maybe. That's so on point for the uh, for the take and watch to uh, kick off the cycle here. Um. <laughs> yeah, she's like our second AD is French. Our special effects team, all the guys who are doing the fights, they're all French. Our second AD is French. Our director's French. <laughs> it's like a French takeover, man. I mean, maybe the maybe what that means in practice is that they're gonna reel it back. A little bit, okay? Like, reel it back. <laughs> what about any of these French movies that we've been watching? I mean, Fast Nine didn't seem French at all to me. No. So maybe they're gonna tone it down a little bit. You think the French would put um, Taja Roman on a on a Fiero rocket ship? I don't no, think the French I mean, would. I don't think that, but like the Fiero rocket ship thing is part of this sort of wink, wink meta commentary on mm-hmm. the series, right? Like I view it as one in the same. I don't think the Fiero rocket ship is necessarily a straight up, we're one-upping ourselves in terms of our, you know, technology, our sequences, our set pieces. The Fiero rocket ship is part of the wink, wink, you know, like, isn't this isn't this a little stupid? Mm-hmm. So I don't think they're going to do that. Because I don't think they have, like, the Louis Leterrier and team and the way they make movies have the, like... It's, it takes, like we've saying, it's a fine line. It takes, like, a very sort of subtle and complicated and dense linguistic ability to like thread that line right mm-hmm. i don't think leterrier is that subtle and i don't think they're that or i'm not trying to say the pontiac fiero is subtle but i don't think they're that balanced in terms of doing a sequence like that but also making it sort of about themselves and having that be get like be effective and winning I think they're just going to like blow a lot of shit up mm-hmm. and do a lot of Kung Fu mm-hmm. and, you know, sweat a lot mm. and a lot of like zoom right up to your face, you know, like wah, wah, and a lot of like techno music Ooh, that's just rough. sort of layered on top. Rough. I'm trying to like pull out some of the other pinpoints of, of the French action movies that we've been watching. Um, I think it's going to be like that, basically. Hmm. So. I can't wait to be proven wrong. Yeah. Anyway, do you have any other thing else you want to talk about? Um, uh, not movie-wise. F9? Yeah. You want, to, you want to hit some of these shout-outs? Yeah, can you go first? Because I got to think, go one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um... 
I tried something. I tried a new food item this weekend, yeah. and I'm recommending this as a pro shout out. Uh, this product was a bread product. It's called the Miami Onion Roll. You ever had one of these before? No. Yeah. Uh, I just saw Miami on it, and I bought it at my local grocery store. I was like, what about this makes it Miami at all? Anything but- Miami automatically <laughs> kind of 10% better, right? <laughs> so I tried the Miami Onion Roll. It's a square type of roll. It's um, Texture-wise, it's like a combination between a brioche and and it has like onion like um is it like a white spanish onion it's not as sweet i would okay. say but it's and it's twice as big um but i did a, i use it as to i use it as the base of a sandwich but i did a little bit of research on it today the miami onion roll is a staple of the jewish bakery and you really only find it in either jewish bakeries in New York, or I guess there's a large Jewish population in Miami. Yes. Um, and then sure. otherwise, you can get it in grocery stores in the Northeast. But you wouldn't typically be able to find this in any other place. Whoa. Looks good. I've had a cheap version of this, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's heavier, and it's butterier, or more oily and sweeter than your, than your traditional like Kaiser roll. Which yeah. makes for a more dense experience. It also is a little bit flakier. Almost like a challah texture. Mm-hmm. You ever had a challah bread? It's more dense than challah. Okay, I challah is sneaky dense. Mm-hmm. That's what I will say. You, <laughs> yeah, you sort of look at how because it's shaped like a cloud. You're sort of like, oh, it's going to be very light and fluffy and airy bread. And to me, it has all, whenever I've had it, it, has always been a little denser than I thought it's going to be. So, yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to this. I actually, it was really funny today because um, I knew I was going to give a shout out to it. And I did a little bit of Google research on it. And nice. one of the like top three hits actually brought me to a website called egullet.com. And it was an article that was or like a forum post that was posted by Stephen Shaw. And the name doesn't mean anything to most of most people, but Stephen Shaw was the head of community and the person who hired me at quirky.com. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rest in peace, though. This guy had a heart attack and died like while at we were quirky. working at Quirky. He wasn't on site, but he died like during the time that I was okay. there. Timeline. Walk us through. Yeah. Stephen Shaw, his name is? Yeah, Steve Shaw. Steve Shaw. Steve Shaw, S-H-A-W. Steve Shaw is born. Mm -hmm. At some point between born and Quirky.com's founding, he runs a website called eGullet.com. He was like he wasn't running it, but he was definitely like a, a major contributor, and I think some of that uh, community like management moderation is what led him to get a job at Quirky.com as the community like head of community. Wow. Yeah, isn't that weird? Isn't that crazy? I wrote a story about onion rolls. Yeah, just like for that website. A, yeah, start a, started like a forum conversation and was engaging with people and it ends up years later being like the top one of the top results. And I don't know, I mean, there is really... when what you were working with him was never like Oh yeah, I wrote this article about onion rolls a few years ago. You ever had one of those? Yeah, never about like onion print rolls. print a little 
seed in your brain. No, not okay. at all. He was, I mean, he was definitely a food writer. He wrote like... You knew that. Uh, yeah, a few books. He was a food guy. And so I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just, maybe it's Google piecing all that, piecing everything together and serving me that result. Or, you know, by eating a Miami onion roll this weekend, like I just somehow tied that back to this work history and a person that I knew before. Yeah, cool. Shout out to the Miami onion roll. Shout out, hard shout out, slash RIP, to Steve Steve Shaw. Was he a good dude? He was a good dude. Cool. All right, man. Uh, I got a food shout out also this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a little place called in Newburgh, New York called Ready Coffee. I'm a Dunkin' Donuts man. Mm-hmm. Longtime listeners of the show will know this about me. But that's not always the most popular choice. When you're in an office and you're doing a run and you're like, mm, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. So I went and got, uh, I went, we were, it was very hot day today and I was out in the sun for a good chunk of the middle of the day. And on the way back, I was with one of my PAs, and we we're like, "Let's just do a ready coffee. We'll go get like an iced coffee or something, and I go back." Ended up, they had this like frozen coffee, they called it, mm-hmm. which is basically like a frap. Okay. Uh, but it was great. It wasn't as sweet as like a Starbucks frap mm-hmm. situation. It was. It was just delicious. It was like very coffee flavored. Their coffee is pretty good. And um I had a little sweet treat in the middle of the day and it really rocked my world. So very shout nice. out to Ready Coffee for that. Yeah. Um, how would you describe the density of this beverage? Was it light like a like an icy or closer to like a heavier smoothie? Like a lot of that. Definitely wasn't on milk. the like frosty end of things. It doesn't that wasn't that it wasn't like a thick shake. Mm-hmm. It was, mm, I would mm, say Slurpee is like too, you know. Sometimes when you pick up a Slurpee, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How could something so big be so light? <laughs> I haven't had a Slurpee in maybe 15 years. Have you? Uh, like a blue raz? Yeah, like I don't frequent the movies, but when I do go, uh, the Slurpee is a preferred beverage for me. That's nuts. <laughs> Daryl. Yeah. You're an adult man. That's crazy. Hey, I mean, all, no rules apply when you're at the movies. It's I part mean, of the experience as I far agree. as I'm Live concerned. Your life. Like, yeah. But that's fucking crazy. Yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> buy one and like on the street. I wouldn't go outside of like Madison Square Garden and get a Slurpee or an Icy from one of those guys. But like, that's so really what? the only place. That I would what are do. you chomping down with the Slurpee? Is the Slurpee your only concession? Mm, if I'm getting some candy, I might get some candy. Um, I like a Milk Dud, and I like a I Twizzler a Red Vine. Um, I also am a fan of a Twizzler Red Vine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've come back around to Charleston Chews. Shout out to fucking Charleston <laughs> Chews, too. I just had a couple the other day. It was delicious. Mm-hmm. But... What I'm trying to say is the, the, the Slurpee's flavor is so over all-consuming. 
and stays with you for so long, I can't like then go back to a bag of popcorn after I mm-hmm. take a sip of the Slurpee. I can't then like because the, like if you got a Diet Coke, the sweetness of the Diet Coke balances the salt very well. I just feel like the blue raz just like takes everything over. Mm-hmm. Blue raz. I mean, I'm not it strictly commands blue the raz. conversation. Yeah, like yeah. I'll do a yeah, I'll do a cherry or a Coke or if uh, there's nobody else waiting in line, I might ask the uh, the person to do some sort of mixture for me, like a half cherry, half Coke. Half cherry, half frozen Coke. I mean, they're both Coke is a is a is often a flavor available in, in slash slushy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so you get it like a fro. You get a cherry Coke Slurpee, which is I mean, it's only it's only if there's no line behind me. Honestly, okay? sounds like it's pretty good. <laughs> the cherry Coke Slurpee yeah. thing, and the, <laughs> yeah, and what you can't do is you can't try to power down the whole thing at once. All right, because what happens is you end up drinking all of the sugar water on the bottom, and then you get. Like the ice, but if you drink it too slow, it melts into this into just like syrup. (laughs) So there's a sweet spot. There's a sweet spot which I think makes this the perfect perfect movie drink. Is that you can have a little bit up front, and then you have to wait a little bit, and it's a beverage that'll last you at least to the mid of the movie when really you're into it, and you can enjoy the full potential of that slushy drink. All right, I believe you. But that's crazy. <laughs> There's just this texture that comes off on my tongue when I eat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, almost tastes like, it's like such a tang to it. Mm-hmm. You can almost taste the granulated sugar in there. Anyway, shout out to Ready Coffee. Pretty good little frap. Pretty good little frap. Uh, if you got any shout outs you want to tell us about. Uh, it's at Nolt Podcast, N-O-L-T-T Podcast, where no one likes to tune a podcast on Instagram. No one likes to tune a podcast at gmail.com. Patreon.com slash no one likes to tune a podcast. And uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and wherever you catch pods. Appreciate y'all being here. You know? Appreciate y'all being here. Uh, But it's late and I gotta go to bed. That sounds good. We'll continue cycle 25, the French cycle, next week.